Time now to talk with the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke, brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. You know, they went. They didn't go small because they thought it was a strategic advantage. They went small because their other choice was so at that time was doing so poorly that they might as well try something. They didn't have answers, did they? No, I mean, Nurkic was on a minute restriction and got in foul trouble, and then I think in Cantor's first 17 minutes, he was minus 18. Or I might be slightly wrong, he might have been minus 17 in his first 18 minutes. Regardless, or as some great philosopher once said, irregardless, um, it doesn't, you know, that, that was not working for them. So Terry didn't have a lot of choices, so he went with a, he went small. I thought it was actually a pretty creative answer, and it certainly didn't work. What was the difference in the rebounding from Phoenix to Portland? Was it a mindset or exactly what? I think it was two things. The mindset was was to put a body on someone rather than to jump with them. It wasn't as though, you know, it's worth noting that in Phoenix, it wasn't as though we, we didn't have guys there, right? It wasn't like they were grabbing rebounds going back up and in. They were playing tip balls, and then they were getting the tip balls. So that gets to then a little bit of a question of whether it was personnel. Um, you know, everyone's so stunned that DeAndre Ayton had an impact on the game. He was the first pick of a draft that got drafted in front of Jaron Jackson Jr., Luka Doncic, and Trey Young, uh, and some, and another, and Marvin Bagley, but, you know, okay. Um, and so I think that you have to remember that this kid's seven feet tall and was the number one pick of the draft, and maybe it wasn't the right pick, but it wasn't like he was some scrub. Um, so he's pretty incredibly talented guy and the, you know, Portland didn't have that personnel in the middle at seven, one tipping the ball and making plays. So two parts, one, I do think there was a concerted effort to go get the rebound and there was a concerted effort to not try to jump with people, but to put some body on the legs of people and then, and then get the rebound. Um, but I would also, I would also say, I think there was, um, you know, a personnel difference of what you were going up against. I thought last night was super impressive, though. Uh, we've got to start seeing some real duds out of teams uh, as we head down the stretch here. I, I'm going to be really surprised. Like, when you look at the right-hand column of standings, you know, it says 9-1, and 8-2. and two. I, I don't think we're going to be seeing that the rest of the way. I think we're going to see... Seven and three and six and four, somewhat universally across the board. The amount of games everyone's playing now in the in the schedule, um, I just don't think people can be sharp. And so I thought last night was one three games, four nights, three games, you know, three straight on the road, where I really or you know three different locations where I just really thought that was not a script um, to go grab one. And the fact that they not only grabbed it, but while not having a perfect night, dominated, I thought was really impressive last night. So I thought that was one of the things, and we've talked about that. They didn't shoot the three well again, under 30% again, and yet they won by 19. So the good news is, hey, if you can win other ways, if you've got multiple ways to win, that's great. How much does the three-point shooting concern you? Uh, how much is it them, and how much is it teams defending them differently and deciding you're just not going to beat us with a three? And we're seeing more guys driving and finishing at the rim. Yeah, I don't think teams can really decide that. Um, I'm a believer fundamentally that defenses can dictate how many shots you get at the rim. 
but I'm not entirely sure that defenses can totally dictate how many threes you're going to get. Um, we are seeing teams obviously respect the three-point shooting and hug the three-point shooting, so that should open up the lane for more drives. And we are seeing teams you know, try to prevent Rudy from getting six, seven dunks in a game, which you know, we don't think much of. I think, you know, it's 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 not a crossover dribble pull up for two, but like uh, I'd love to go look at our win percentage based on the amount of dunks Rudy has in a game. Like you go get five freebies a night, I don't think you lose. Like mathematically, it changes the game as dramatically as hitting three. So um, you know, t- those are what the two t- what teams are trying to do. So now you we've got guys who are beginning to adapt, and this roster is built far differently than the rosters we've had in the past that we have players that can do that. So when you watch the uh, the Jazz and the Blazers go at it here and you throw up that number about the lobs, it sounds to me like you're making that first cousin to that thing you told us about the turnovers above the break. When you turn the ball over, you know, beyond the top of the key, and it's just an easy one-on-none layup or dunk for somebody, if you have uh, four or five of those a game, you're done. Well, that's why they lost to Phoenix. It's not like I know we talked about the rebounding and – that's certainly a part of it, and we can talk about three-point shooting. The reason we lost to Phoenix is Phoenix was in transition for 18% of their possessions, and Devin Booker got seven layups in transition last night. You know, I mean, that that was the game. Like, all these other things were cute. Like, their second-chance points for the amount of offensive rebounds they got was not astronomical. In fact, the Jazz did a really good job of defending after giving up the offensive rebounds. But the reason they lost to Phoenix was because they either committed turnovers or did a just an occasional one or two possessions were just awful of getting back in transition defense. And then Chris Paul is brilliant. Chris Paul, you know, was able to play and push ahead to Devin Booker and make plays um, that were, that were outstanding. And so he deserves credit for being that outstanding. Um, You know, it's not always because of us. The other guys are pretty good too. Yeah, absolutely. And that game generated a lot of talk among national media and radio shows. And so I'm trying to listen as much as I can to try to get some different viewpoints into my mind. And you speak of the uh, reason why they lost. And I forget, I listened to so I'm many I'm so different... curious, PK. I really want to know. You know the game really, really well. Me? You know our team better than anyone you're going to listen to. So I'm just curious, who do you listen to? Well, I just go around. I've got the okay. satellite radio on my radio, NBA radio, and they bring people out there. Then I'll flick around. I was listening to the Phoenix radio because I knew they'd be gloating. Uh, and I listened to you the you day before. You Phoenix radio and I was on. How did that happen? Yeah, it was. yeah that was funny. <laughs> uh, they brought you on and I, was, and I happened to be listening and you were lighting up Ryan Hatch. Uh, and I texted him that you were lighting him up. And uh, he said he was <laughs> in a meeting. He said he was in a meeting, so he'd go and check it out. Well, one of the things, of course, and I, and of course I thought, oh, he claimed he was in a meeting. Like, what do you think? What do you think it was the thirteenth or the? 14th? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is a meeting at the fourteenth tee? <laughs> I don't know. Ryan Hatch. I'm in a meeting. I'm an executive. I'm important. <laughs> Come on, don't BFF. Yeah. We in know you all the time. I'm sure one he didn't love that... one of the stories I told. I'm sorry that you told him. Uh, well, I figure I had to, so it was oh. funny. And so okay. he's, I haven't heard if he went back and got it because he said he was busy at the time. But there was one, and I can't remember who said it, which, uh, what I was listening to, uh, but I thought, oh, that's going to be a question on Friday for sure. And it was, and I figured because it would draw a bunch of emotion from you. And it was the point they were making was that the Jazz are so reliant on analytics 
that they felt, the commentator felt, that this game, the analytics blew it for them because you talk about hug the three-point shooters, and the Suns aren't particularly a good three-point shooting team, and so they shot only 32% from the three because the Jazz were determined to take it away, but Chris Paul and Devin Booker, who aren't statistically good three-point shooters, or I think Paul had made three that game, but Booker was 0 for 6, that they they blew it because they should be more worried about the two-point shots because that plays to the Suns' strength. And so what do you think about that as far as trying to eliminate the possibility of many threes, but in the process do you give up more twos than you normally would? So not entirely – so – you made a little twist there at the end to confuse me. Um, if I interpret what you're saying right, that basically someone tried to claim that Booker and Chris Paul's two-point game outdid the Jazz three-point game that night. Um, if that was this person's assessment, um, and this is a risky thing to say without knowing who we're talking about, um, I, I would remember, say, no. good, because I'm about to torch them. Um, I would say that I wouldn't, I would forever after be cautious of anything I hear from them because they take the easy answer that sounds really intellectual without doing any research on it. Um, and so I would be cautious of what I hear from them. Uh, Phoenix, it's Devin, Jazz did a brilliant job on Devin Booker and Chris Paul's two-point game. Chris Paul and Devin Booker are great at that. They're the best in the league. Phoenix shoots 51% on twos. But the fact was that in the half-court offense... Phoenix, I think, averaged like 0.84 points per possession that night, more like the 14th percentile. So that little, the mid-range game that they're playing in and of itself did not cause the problem and work that well. What caused the problem was, one, what I already mentioned, was that they got out in transition in almost 20% of their possessions, which is just way too many. Um, And then, two, you know, when Gobert moved forward to deal with the, mid-range shot, then DeAndre Ayton at 7-1 was big enough to keep balls alive and um, and keep offensive rebounds going for Phoenix. In regards to the Jazz, you know, lack of three-point shooting, they, I mean, that's a fact, that's a fact, and, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, there are three data points that have me a little concerned with the Jazz three-point shooting, and it's probably something I'll research this weekend. They've taken almost 100 threes against New York, Miami, and Phoenix, and they're shot very poorly in every game against those three teams. So it feels like it's not a huge data selection, but it feels like that's a little bit more than a coincidence, that they've played New York twice and shot 30% both times, that they played Miami twice and I think shot 30% both times, and that they played Phoenix twice and played 30% both times. Now, New York is Thibodeau's defense and the second-best defensive team in the league. Miami and Phoenix are really similar defensively. They, they shift a great deal. They're long on the wings, um, they have pretty good, generally, you know, defensive toughness. They're physical. So the, it's worth going to watch those threes. Like Dallas, we just missed shots. Like I'm just not – I've watched I watched all of them. We just missed shots. Um, and the next time we play Dallas, we'll shoot 45% from three um, and, and kill them. Uh, 
But those three teams, it's a little disconcerting to me that there's two games in a row where you don't shoot well against the same team. It seems like that's a little bit more than just make or miss league. Did I answer that question at all? Okay, yeah. So since you bring up Dallas and going back to missing the shots and losing that game, Dallas looks great against the Jazz. Horrific in the loss to Houston. Luka Doncic just you know, punching the chair and throwing the water bottle in disgust when he's sitting in the huddle and just throwing it on the ground. But then they bounce back and they beat Milwaukee. Is that what you're talking about, about too many games to be good all the time? Because that makes no sense. You beat two of the top ten teams in the league and you lose to one of the two worst teams in the league. Is that just yeah, I mean, too many games? Worth noting it's a Giannis, Giannis lists Milwaukee on the back end of a lengthy road trip. Um, so I'm not sure Milwaukee had a chance last night. Uh, I think wasn't that their sixth game of a road trip? Uh, I think you're right about that. And, and I yeah, get without, that point, but Giannis. they're still better yeah, than no, I, Houston. Um, I do think Houston, actually, I watched Houston play Phoenix. Um, I think we have one or two left with Houston. We better be careful. It was the only thing I'd say. Um, they're not awful right now. Like, in fact, um, and I was on with Ben Golliver this week on our, our Thursday conversation for Locked on NBA. Um, we discussed it actually on two of the trades that were made this year that maybe the players that were traded and got all the headlines were wrong. So, like, I think there's a chance, he brought up this one, there's a chance that Kelly Olenek's actually better than Victor Oladipo at this point. And I'm not actually entirely convinced that Wendell Carter doesn't help you win just as much as Nikola Vucevic. Like, so Houston actually getting rid of Oladipo, he's so inefficient right now. Um, and his leg's so, you know, not right. I think there's a chance that Linux actually a better player for them. So, I mean, they look, they actually, Houston, Houston doesn't look like the team that lost 20 in a row. They, like I've watched happen to, you know, we've played teams that have played them recently, so I've watched them. So just a note on that. Um, but, yeah, I think that is what I'm talking about. Um, I also just think that, like, from a Dallas standpoint, I had the exact same reaction you did, David. Like, how is that possible? Like, mm. you just feel like watching them against us and Luca's dominance that, that you just wouldn't want to see them in a seven-game series and they're ready to go and here they are. And then they add Chris Dapps and he has a massive fourth quarter last night. And they just feel like they're loaded. I do think they'll finish as a six-seed. I do think they'll catch Portland. Um, but that also might be recency bias that we just watched Portland not look good and watched um, Dallas look really good. The, the other one that's just hard for us, frankly, is that Rudy Rudy is such a force on the game that our experience watching teams is so different than everybody else's that you really have to go you know, evaluate Dallas and evaluate Portland by watching them play a normal team because Rudy just changes the game so much. There's nothing about playing us that I think gives me a good impression. Like, I think Nikola Vucevic is not very good because he just is awful against Rudy. And so that, you know, they've won three in a row. I need to probably go back and watch Chicago win last night and see how good he was to understand that when there isn't the greatest defensive player in the world defending him, that he actually is pretty good. Well, David, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for hopping on with us. And uh, Joe Ingles will be along to entertain in about 45 minutes. So, you know, gear up for well, that. I hope, I, hope, I hope Joe is well. I was actually going to drop him an email today since that's our correspondence level. So I'll do that now. And I'm sure he'll be uplifted by my thoughts um, <laughs> by the time he gets to you. All right. Thank you, David. <laughs> See you later. DJ and PK. 
Stay with us. Got a uh, Masters update with Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio coming up at 9.05. And Joe Ingles is coming up in about 45 minutes right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.